0: Coming up on Philosophy Talk. It's so easy to find examples of hypocrisy,
1: and they're so colorful and so beautiful.
2: Isn't there a word for politicians without hypocrisy?
1: Unelectable losers. I think it is related to developing good judgment. Judgment not merely as a technical skill. Politics, morality, mm. it can't be reduced to algorithms. We live in a political world. Love don't have any place. We live in a time where men commit crimes, and crime don't have a face. Hypocrisy. Vice or virtue? The ultimate purpose doesn't matter. It bothers us because we want to think that we know people and know them well.
2: Our guest is Lawrence Quill, author of Secrecy and Democracy.
1: I am very, very happy that my private persona is inconsistent with my public persona, including the one that I'm currently putting out here, I might add. Hypocrisy. I think it's fundamental because the alternative is
0: fundamentalism. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the Marsh Theatre, the Bay Area's breeding ground for new performance. Our
2: thinking originates across the Bay on the Stanford campus, where Ken and I are professors of
0: philosophy. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. Our topic today, hypocrisy. Now, you know, John, there's a lot of hypocrisy around, especially in politics. But how bad is it, really? Is it a necessary evil for an effective politician? Or is it really one of the worst things that you could be a hypocrite?
2: Well, I suppose we ought to get started by saying what hypocrisy is. Now, the word comes from the ancient Greek, and there it meant playing a theatrical role. That's a preliminary stab. I'll say a hypocrite is someone who pretends to be something he's not.
0: Well, you know, that that definition sounds like a good start, but I think it includes too much, John. Uh, Like, consider a, a courageous abolitionist who, before the Civil War, who travels into the South, he gets there, he pretends to be one of the good old boys, one of the slave owners... His aim, though, is to get slaves so he can smuggle them up north and set them free. So he pretends to be something he isn't. That fits your definition. But would we want to call him a hypocrite? I, I don't think so.
2: Good example, Ken. The definition seems to need a little work. It seems to depend on what the person's motives are and whether he believes he ought to have the values he pretends to have. A hypocrite knows he ought to be one thing and pretends to be another. Presumably, your courageous abolition never thought he ought to adopt the values of slaveholders, so he's not a hypocrite.
0: But now, now I think your uh, definition excludes some real hypocrites. I mean, consider a person who pretends to be an upright moral citizen for his own personal gain. Eh, like some sleazy guy. He's going to volunteer at a soup kitchen. His real aim is to exploit vulnerable women he meets there. Look, like our courageous abolitionist, he doesn't believe in the values he pretends to have. In this case, uh, pretending the poor. I think we would want to call that guy a hypocrite, wouldn't we? But your definition doesn't make him a hypocrite.
2: Yeah, but I think the definition's right and you're, you're wrong. I mean, I think this guy is worse than a hypocrite. He's a cad. <laughs> a cad and a hypocrite both have bad motives. And they both pretend to have good motives. But the cad doesn't even realize that the motives he pretends to have are better than the ones he actually has.
0: (laughs) So now you've answered one question. If you think being a cat is worse than being a hypocrite, then I guess you'd think that hypocrisy isn't the worst vice that a a person could have at all. But you know, let's think about something else. Let's think about politics. Do you think uh, hypocrisy is acceptable in politics?
2: Well, consider two politicians who both pretend to worry about the plight of the poor, but they do so in order to win votes. Neither of them really is moved very much by the plight of the poor. Now, one of them thinks it would be silly, immoral even, to worry about the poor. I mean, if you start worrying about losers, pretty soon you corrupt the whole body politic and twist it around for the sake of the losers, and that's not good. According to my definition, this guy, pretending to worry about the poor, is a liar and a cad, but not a hypocrite. Now, the other one, as I'm imagining, doesn't care much about the poor either, but he thinks he'd be a better person if he did. So he is a hypocrite. I prefer him to the first because there's some chance that the feelings he pretends to have will eventually take hold.
0: Yeah, See, I'm not convinced that the second politician really is a hypocrite. I don't think that's the right word. It sounds more like he just suffers from what philosophers like to call weakness of the will. In his best judgment, in his most considered judgment, he thinks he ought to care about the plight of the poor. Maybe he even pays lip service to the cause, but he's too weak of will. He's too selfish to actually do the thing that he knows he ought to do.
2: Well, I, I admit he's got... Weakness of the will, but hypocrisy hypocrisy's a, a little bit more than that. It's his lip service to the cause that makes him a hypocrite. Were it merely weakness of will, he could admit that he ought to be doing more to help the poor than he actually does. But, but he doesn't admit that. Instead, he pretends to be doing something about it when he really knows, while he should be, that he's not.
0: And, and you, think, you think that's a good thing you said earlier.
2: I, I, I never said that. I said that being a hypocrite of this sort is better than just being a cat and a liar. Well,
0: that's pretty faint praise if you ask me. But look, John, there are clearly lots of great and difficult questions here. What exactly is hypocrisy? How is it different from lying, insincerity, or weakness of the will? Is it ever a good thing? And is there any way to avoid it in the real world of real messy politics?
2: Well, to help us think about this, we ask our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Esh, to investigate some famous cases of political hypocrisy, and she files this report.
1: I think one way to look at it is to think of democracy as a market for promises.
3: Ernesto Dalbo is a professor at UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business, where he studies political influence, corruption, and social conflict. He says American politics is full of hypocritical moments. I asked him to help make sense of some famous examples from recent history. Take this clip from the 1988 Republican National Convention. Here's a famous line from George H.W. Bush accepting his party's nomination.
2: My opponent won't rule out raising taxes, but I will and the Congress will push me to raise taxes and I'll say no, and they'll push and I'll say no, and they'll push again and I'll say to them, read my lips.
3: Those famous words were written by speechwriter Peggy Noonan. But for decades to follow, they marked Bush Sr. as a hypocrite. Dalbo says making absolute statements in politics can be dangerous, but effective.
1: Making these types of promises might be the way of politicians to signal to us that they have exceptional ability, that even when no one thinks this is possible, they'll have what it takes to deliver on something that seems clearly difficult. Or also, uh, it might be a way of signaling to us that they truly care about, uh, say, not raising taxes, and therefore they're willing to make the costly investments of holding themselves up to a standard that if they are to violate later on, we'll be angry at them, we'll think that they lied to us.
3: Our next example involves a Florida congressman who resigned in disgrace in 2006. Representative Mark Foley was caught sexually harassing teenage boys. Here's a clip from ABC News.
2: In Congress, Foley was part of the Republican leadership and the chairman of the House Caucus on Missing and Exploited Children. He crusaded for tough laws against those who use the internet for sexual exploitation of children.
0: They're sick people, they need mental health counseling, they certainly
1: don't need to be interacting with children.
3: So here's a politician who takes an active stance against child pornography coming on to underage boys. It seems like the pinnacle of hypocrisy. Again, Ernesto Dalbo.
1: So this is a person that has a weakness, an important one, and he legislates against people with that weakness, uh, which includes himself. Uh, So as horrible as the case is, and as disturbing as it is, you know, I think if we were to rescue anything of value or positive about human nature from it, is this duality that we have. That is, we have we know we have weaknesses, and we also strive to create rules that contain them.
3: And our final example. In 2010, former Senate Democratic leader Tom Daschle got in trouble for not paying some of his taxes. Here's a clip from Sean Hannity's Fox News show. Hannity reports Daschle failed to pay $140,000 in Medicare payroll taxes.
1: But it gets worse. In 1998, while Daschle was a member of the U.S. Senate, he said the following on the floor during the debate over the Internal Revenue Service Restructuring and Reform Act. Quote, we make no mistakes about it. Tax cheaters cheat us all. And the IRS should enforce the laws to the letter. Who knew he was talking about himself?
3: Here, UC Berkeley's Ernesto Dalbo says the infraction seems to be minor, a mistake maybe. But the Dashell example evoked outrage because it violates the basic principle of fairness.
1: People say, well, you know, these people are asking us to respect these rules, but they do not internalize these rules themselves. And that seems fundamentally unfair.
3: Americans hold public figures to higher standards. We expect them to live up to the ideals they promote. And when they make mistakes or lie to us, we tend to forget they're only human and still politicians. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Esch.
0: Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.